0: Hello and welcome to the Intel Report where I will discuss topics that I feel are of universal importance. I will do my best to introduce the facts, after which I might offer my opinions based on my own analysis and experiences. Having said that, let's get started. Today I'm going to talk about China. Now for centuries China led the world in arts and sciences. In the 19th and early 20th centuries though that changed as the country encountered a lot of civil unrest or plagued by famines, military defeats, and even foreign occupation. After World War II, Mao Zedong rose to power as a communist, establishing an autocratic socialist system. Now, this ensured China's sovereignty, but imposed strict controls over everyday life and ended up costing tens of millions of lives. Now, after 1978, Mao's successor, Din Xiaoping and other leaders focused on more market-oriented economy, and by the year 2000, economic output had quadrupled. This resulted in much of the population seeing very much improved living standards, along with relaxed governmental controls over personal choice. As a note on that, even though more freedoms exist, political controls are still very tight. Since the early 1990s, China has also increased its global outreach and its participation in international organizations, showing a slight deviation from its primary stance of isolationism. Now that brings us to modern-day China. The country is very complex, and due to its ideologies and isolationist leanings, is very much misunderstood throughout the world. Now, moving forward a bit, uh, I'd like to cover some information about China, about the people, the culture, and the government. To some people, it might seem like a history lesson, or I'm giving a country study lecture on China. I surely don't want to bore my audience, so if you want to skip ahead, feel free. However, although the information might seem boring, it offers a solid foundation. Now, the mainstream media today often skips the important information so they can quickly get to the punchline, or to the storyline. By doing so, they present their audience with only the narratives that they believe will get them ratings, and often, the stories are so diluted that the truth is completely absent, and all that is left are opinions or emotionally inciting editorials or commentaries. I encourage all my listeners to listen to all the information so they can draw educated conclusions and not just become persuaded by mine. I will get to those details now. Now, in order to understand China better, it's important to understand the big picture. So, I'm going to cover some of the basics before getting too far along into modern-day positions and influence of China. To start, let's talk about geography and demographics. China is a big country, encompassing nearly 9.5 million square kilometers. And despite its size, China falls within one time zone. It borders many countries in Asia, including Afghanistan, Bhutan, Burma. India, Kazakhstan, North Korea, Kyrgyzstan, Laos, Mongolia, Nepal, Pakistan, Russia, Tajikistan, and Vietnam. Because of its size, it has a very diverse climate, from tropical in the south to subarctic in the north. And as you might expect, the terrain is quite variable as well, ranging from mountains, high plateaus, deserts, and even deltas. Now, the majority of the country's 1.4 billion people live in the eastern half of the country. The western half is sparsely populated due to the vast mountains and the desert regions. About half the population is between the ages of 25 and 54, which is nothing surprising, with about 51% being males. So only 49% females in that age range. In 1979, it was mandated that a couple could only have one child as an attempt to control the population growth. That was changed in 2016 to two children couple and this was basically done to address the rapidly aging population. The literacy rate is more than 97% with the primary language being Mandarin. And as a note of comparison, the obesity rate is only 7.3%. Now if you compare that to the United States at 35%, that's pretty small. Now the ethnic population distribution is about 92% Han Chinese. 56 other smaller groups composing the remaining 8%. China is officially an atheist country, however, there are portions of the population that hold to some form of faith. About 18% are Buddhist, 5% Christian, 2% Muslim, 22% have a folk religion, Hindu, Jewish, and other unaffiliated religions composing about 53%. Now, let me give you a little bit of information about the government and the economy. China is officially called the People's Republic of China, or, and forgive my Chinese if this is not perfect, Jianghua, Rimin, Gongheguo. The capital is Beijing, and the country is officially a communist state. It has 23 provinces, 5 autonomous regions, and 4 municipalities. It considers Taiwan, its 23rd province, with Hong Kong and Macau as special administrative regions. I'll get a little bit more into that later. Now, the legal system is based on both Soviet and European models, and some civil codes were recently adopted as uh, recent as 2017. As I mentioned earlier, China has recently, within the last 30 years or so, reached out to participate in international organizations. Most notably, um, they're involved with the United Nations, but they're also involved in quite a few other organizations, much too many to list at this time. As far as the economy is concerned, since the 1970s China has evolved a bit from a very closed economy to a major international player. Now in 2016, China was the world's largest economy, and today they remain so along with the largest exporter and overall the largest trading nation. Now as far as their infrastructure is concerned, without hitting on too many details, let me just say for the number of people on the mainland it is quite impressive. 99.9% of the entire population has electricity and internet access, coverage-wise anyway, and almost everyone has a smartphone, literally. From first-hand experience, I've seen Even people in some really rural regions have a smartphone. Transportation is on par with or better than most of the world, with public transportation being not difficult to find at all. They have extensive rail lines, subways, airlines, taxis, buses, and private vehicle ownership is growing and very comparable to larger nations throughout the world. From my personal experiences, there are few, and I mean very few homeless people and housing is available everywhere and for all walks of life and nearly everything is constructed from concrete and steel, so it's very sturdy very solid I'll stop there for now I really don't want to bore you with too much statistics or too much on the infrastructure most of the things that I've mentioned are important to know They help define the big picture and now I want to talk just a little bit about their military the military, or the People's Liberation Army consists of ground forces, naval forces, air forces, rocket forces, and strategic support forces. It's actually the largest military in the world with about 2.5 million active duty personnel and another 2.5 million reservists. Since the 1980s, China has been modernizing its weapon systems and its equipment. They've also been working toward advanced systems, including kinetic energy weapons, high-powered lasers and microwave weapons, particle beam weapons, and electromagnetic pulse weapons. They also have made leaps and bounds in cyber warfare, as well as their growing and expanded space program, and they have a space warfare program going on. And, of course, they have nuclear weapons. Well, that's the background information that I wanted to cover, at least most of it. Now let's talk a little bit about China's role and position from an international perspective. I'd like to start by reiterating my opinion that China is generally misunderstood. There's a lot of misconceptions and unsubstantiated dialogue that comes from the media and from our educators. Much of what is being passed along is not based on facts, and it is severely filtered to the point of it being propaganda in its own right. I have first-hand experience with China and i know and i understand much more than i was ever taught in school or in college and i definitely never heard anything close to what i know to be true from any media source for starters the majority of the people in china are in no way the same as the government of china and the government operates in a fashion that provides more successes and failures for its country as a communist state there are a lot of negative pictures drawn in people's minds and i'm not in any way promoting communism I am simply saying that the evil commie mentality that came out of the 1950s, and it is illustrated by such brutal regimes as that in North Korea, well, they're stretched and perpetuated in part by people that know absolutely nothing about how China's government operates, and are typically basing their opinions on hearsay and out-of-date rhetoric. And truthfully, they're getting it wrong, mostly, and I mean seriously wrong. Again I'm not for communism at all. I believe strongly in American way of life and the rule of law established by our Constitution. In America there are about 325 million people and we have lived with those freedoms and we have learned from them and we have fought for them just as we have lived with capitalism and competition. All these things have allowed us to become the greatest and most prosperous nation in the history of the world. China has 1.4 billion people, nearly five times the number of the U.S. China actually has more women than the U.S. has people. America was built upon the principles of freedom for nearly 250 years. It is our way of life. In China, there's a much different past. They have been around longer, but their history led them down a much different road. I won't go back that far, but I want to start around 1936. China was just coming through a civil war, and because of Japanese aggression, they were forced into a second Sino-Japanese war. The Chinese had already endured famine and disease and war, and the country was turned upside down by internal fighting, an internal civil war. This war with Japan was a near-breaking point for the Chinese. The Japanese invaders also did unspeakable things to the civilian Chinese population. I've seen the tunnels and the holes the people lived in so that they could avoid the Japanese invaders, so they could keep their children and their families alive during this time. I've also spoken with people who remember it, people who lived through it as children in those holes, in those caves, in those tunnels, and not just for days, but for years. Even after the Japanese surrender in 1945, civil war continued to ravage the country. It wasn't until 1949 when Mao Zedong proclaimed the establishment of the People's Republic of China, that most of the fighting ended. To much of the population it was a blessing. The country was drained and they financially ruined. Living conditions were horrible at that time, but the establishment of the communist state offered peace to them, offered them their sovereignty, and the potential to rebuild and regain some form of normalcy in their life. Under communism, China did rebuild, and slowly, Since the 1970s more economic reforms and freedoms have emerged. Today China continues evolving and most people enjoy lifestyles comparable to the rest of the world. As I mentioned earlier I don't remember learning any of this in school nor in college. It's a pity because it allows for an entirely different perspective when you have more information available and when the information shows more of the big picture and not just focused propaganda. Now for a different perspective on some recent dealings with China on the international level, it's no secret that China has been very supportive of North Korea through trade and other means of support. And It is no secret as of late, North Korea's dictator Kim Jong-un has gone off the deep end, threatening to haphazardly throw nuclear weapons around the world. The US wants pressure from China so that Kim Jong-un evens out and halts his nuclear ambitions. Now, China's been working with the United Nations and has stepped up a bit in its efforts to put this issue to rest. However, this issue is much bigger for them. First of all, they share a border with North Korea, and if problems break out on the peninsula, they inherit millions of refugees. They also have no real desire for America to occupy North Korea and replace Kim Jong-un puts their military forces much too close to China's border. In their mind, if the US military is right next door, and leadership changes in Washington down the road, they have a potentially threatening situation on their hands. And they really don't want to take that chance. The media plays hard on China, yet they leave out the real issues, which often makes China look like they support Kim's madness and they don't. They just have a lot more to consider from both sides than the US does. I know I mentioned this earlier, but let me reiterate. The Chinese people are not the same as the Chinese government. I think that's a point that the media doesn't differentiate very well very often. The people of China actually look up to the United States. Even though the internet is often censored in China, they still see American films. They still listen to American music. They generally have a lot of respect for Americans and Westerners in general. Some of the news is censored, like I mentioned, and here's the problem. They can get most of the mainstream media programs. Those aren't censored. And for the most part, they take it as gospel, which is a shame. The people I have personally spoken to found it hard to believe that our own media programs broadcast stories and not always the truth. To them it didn't make sense that there would be such widespread deception. Additionally, all the rhetoric and dissension with the media and the celebrities its all destroying the good image that I mentioned that they thought we had. It's a fact that many of them see it as a weakness in our culture. Many are starting to believe that our entire country is one big Hollywood movie. All the lies and all the hatred and the apparent lack of real control by the authorities and the general lack of respect shown across all media outlets. It's truly a shame that our own citizens would rather dodge accountability and responsibility than show real integrity. We're supposed to be role models in their minds. Now we may not accept that, and they may not be something that we are prepared for, but in China they see us as role models. This media outrage and this general disrespect in our country is tearing down any respect that they have for us. So the next time the media spouts off about how evil China is for not allowing Google and Facebook into their economy, think about it for a minute. The media calls it overwhelming censorship, which might in part be true, but the Chinese government also a bit leery about letting politically-motivated social and media outlets perpetrating the same violence they are witnessing in America. In reality, they know that opening up their economy to such irresponsible companies could lead to similar problems that America is experiencing, just on a scale five times greater. So they want nothing to do with it. Okay, so I've spent some time defending some of China's policies. I don't want that to be my message. I just think if people had the whole story, they might realize that there are bigger considerations than what the media is offering. Not everything is perfect in China, but things are much different than they're portrayed. Communism is not a better or even equal to the freedom that we have in America. Right now, though, China is not ready to adopt our political system. At the rate they are going, though, they will probably be ready for it when they get there. Okay, that's all for now. I hope you enjoyed the program, and please let me know if you have any comments or suggestions. I hope to have you back for the next segment, which I will hopefully have out soon. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere,